0: to the book of 2nd Corinthians. Thankful for all those of you who are here this morning as well as everybody who's possibly online. Um, I was talking to Miss Mary Louise. I guess it was not last, this. It wasn't this week. It was last week, I believe. When she had called about Sherry. And... Uh, Troy, she told me that Troy has been coming over and they gather together and they watch the service and they have breakfast together, but uh, obviously Troy's been trying to limit his exposure um, because of Sherry. And so we're so thankful that they're online with us and uh, they love us and we love them. And uh, this morning I, I'm taking a text from one of the verses that I had texted out probably I think it was last week. And for the last couple of weeks, this, this line, God of all comfort, has just been on my mind. And when I text the verse out, I text it out because I literally was reading this verse and I was just pouring my heart out before God and feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders, feeling the weight of the church. The weight of people I love and all that is going on and felt like I was just covered up. Anybody ever felt covered up? By the way, Chris was talking about getting an email from God. I saw an interesting sign not too long ago. It says, God answers knee an email. I thought that was pretty good. God answers knee email. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's hard to even comfort people when you need comfort yourself. When we're already heartbroken. When we're already facing things that we have to just trust God for. And sometimes we want to ask God why why you know God, you know all that I have going on. You are all that is on our plate. And still, yet, why are you sending more folks my way that need comfort when you know I'm barely comforted myself? Why is it, God, that you would do that? Why is it, God, that you would allow me to feel such weight And yet see others I love even have more weight. And you've called me to pastor. You've called me to to shepherd. Brother Randy gave me a funny one this morning. When he was talking about the cameras, he said, sometimes, I don't know, there's just something that happens sometimes, and you're our pastor, and sometimes the sheep just like to see the shepherd. So we've been talking about putting another camera over there. So when I'm at the piano, maybe if I talk or something, I'll be able to catch that. And the funny thing is, is as a shepherd, I'm well aware of the sheep watching, and I don't want to fail you. But more than anything, I don't want to fail God. And you know, sometimes you read a passage and you've read it many times before. Just as Chris was talking about a song, sometimes you could hear it and hear it and hear it. And all of a sudden, the real heart of the lyrics, that the, whatever that person was that wrote that, that poured their heart out and, you know, and, and wrote that, you finally get it, what it is, and what mindset they were in when they wrote that. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It's even more beautiful when we read the Scriptures and we read something that we've read over and over, but still yet. We read it in a time that is different than the other times. You see, sometimes it takes moments that we have to go through in life to help us understand the Word and what it really means. Because I can read something when I'm in a joyous, happy occasion and be like, oh yeah, God of all comfort, it's great, it's great. But when you're broken, and you feel like it's all just about falling apart, it's not that I don't have faith in God. But even pastors get to a point where it seems sometimes like the, the weight is larger than my faith. And What do we do then? How do I comfort? How do I provide comfort and stability for those who are looking at me as the sheep do try to look at the shepherd? And how can I lead if I feel like that i am got one leg broken, the other one ain't working too well? I feel like I'm just dragging myself along. How do I comfort? And so I read this passage that Paul wrote really as he was coming out of a really tough time and he was writing to the, to the Corinthian church. Now, if you read 1 Corinthians, you'll see that you know, God, uh, Paul got on to them about some things. But even after all that Paul suffered in his travels, it seems that probably what I think maybe hurt him the most, more than all the lashes that he took, more than all the the weapons and the, the shipwreck. And I don't know if you, if you ever, if you read near the end of, of 2 Corinthians, you'll see that, that Paul talks about what he had been through. And it's, this is not in the notes or anything. And listen, we're just winging it from this point forward. All right, y'all just going to have to live with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you see, Paul, Paul's apostleship had been questioned by false leaders, false teachers. And if you're a false teacher, how do, you, how do you get people to listen to you instead of them? And so what he did was he went on to a, a, a basically a, a plan of character assassination. These false teachers started to accuse Paul of not being led by God and not being God's man. And I imagine of all the things that Paul suffered, that was probably one of the worst things was somebody to assassinate his character after all that he had suffered in the ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it starts at verse 21. It says, To my shame, I must say that we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of it. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Do you realize that five times he received 39 lashes from a whip? Can you imagine that? says three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, and danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger in the sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the church who is weak and am I not weak who is made to fall and I am not indignant if I must boast I will boast of the things that show my weakness the God and Father of Lord Jesus he who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying at Damascus the governor under King Artias was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands After Paul all that Paul had suffered for the cause of Christ and then for somebody to try to assassinate his character can you imagine how bad that hurt Paul also had physical pain We know that he said he had a thorn in the flesh He prayed for God to remove it, and he wouldn't. But he says, my grace is sufficient. And so as I was looking for comfort, I found this passage, and I read it much differently than I've ever read it before in my life. Why? Because at this time when I read it, I was seeking comfort. I was seeking the comfort of God. And not only the comfort, but honestly, and Chris did not even know what the message was today, but I was really seeking the purpose in my pain. Why would I do that? Because listen, how can I comfort you? How can I tell you there's a purpose for your pain if I can't see the purpose for mine? How can I tell you that everything happens for a reason, that God has a master plan? How can I say that when I myself am struggling sometimes in that plan because I don't understand the purpose of some of the things that I must endure? And this week about broke me, and I know you didn't know that. when you said that this morning, but this week about broke me. It was tough. (laughs) That's going to sound good on the track, isn't it? My heart hurts. I'm even having to supply my own hankies now. You know how bad that hurts? Let's stand together and read the passage this morning together, can we? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 3 through 7. Then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, we know that you are the source of all that is good. God, we know that you do have a master plan. Even when our faith becomes a little shaky, Even when it's sometimes hard to see, God, we know that you do have a plan. And Lord, sometimes the adversary tries to shake us up. And we feel like we're in a spiritual warfare. And this scripture tells us that we are. But God, we know that you are bigger, that you are stronger. And you can take that, which is devastating, and use it for glory. And God, we also know today, Lord, that if we stand and speak your word, it will not return void. And so, God, on that promise this morning, Lord, we stand. We ask you, Lord, to feed our souls this morning with your word. Lord, even through all my stammering, stuttering, and Sometimes lost for words. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit does his perfect work in spite of me. Because, God, I do realize that you don't need me, but you chose me. And, Lord, and why? I don't know why sometimes. Lord, I will trust you. God, beat with our hearts this morning. There are many that are hurting. There's a lot going on in this world that is so confusing. Lord, I I think about John MacArthur and the Grace Community Church this morning. Lord, as they've been, been sued by the county to force them to stop having service inside their building. God, I pray, Lord, today for Lord, for wisdom for for Brother John MacArthur and his folks, that you would guide them, that you would help them know what is right to do in this circumstance. And the Lord, while California may be so far away from West Virginia, Lord, we know that that same fight is coming to a town near us. And Lord, in this time of what seems like craziness, we want to be faithful We want to be used by you so that others may see. Lord, our country is polarized. We see brother against brother, family against family, being divided over things that we don't even know are true sometimes. And God, we know that you're not the author of confusion. So, God, we pray, Lord, that our eyes may be opened, that we may see the real truth. And, Lord, and stand for that which is good, regardless of the cost. We pray this in the name of your beautiful Son, Jesus. Amen. Y'all can be seated. I had only sent out one verse of this passage, uh, uh, I think it was last week, but the whole passage together, verses 3 through 7, if you just counted how many times comfort is in this passage, it's pretty amazing. Paul is also writing this letter, I think is he, uh, I believe if I remember correctly, he was leaving Ephesus or leaving Philippi and ended up in Ephesus. I think he wrote it from there, even then waiting on to see what God would would have him do next. And so even when he wrote this, he was still kind of in a holding pattern, if you will. But he also writes to establish his apostleship and a divine calling from God. In the very first verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Paul was not going to let somebody throw him down. He was standing for that which is right, not so that he would be glorified, but so that the church would not fall to false teaching. Paul cared about the church. And if you look at the the book of 2 Corinthians, or letter, whatever you want to call it, you'll see that this what we're going to just center in on this morning is kind of this, this summarization, if you will, about comfort. But if you actually look at the chapters themselves, chapter two is about comfort in restoring a sinning saint. Chapter three is comfort in the glorious ministry of Christ. Chapter four is comfort in the ministry of suffering for Christ. Chapter five is comfort in the ministry of martyrdom for Christ. That means giving your life. And chapter six is comfort in all circumstances of the ministry of Christ. Chapter seven is comfort in the heart of Paul. There's a lot of comfort here and it wasn't by accident that when I was searching for comfort that God landed me here in this in this passage and so I want us to look at verses three through seven and and step through each verse if you will and truly try to understand the beauty of this so that we may be comforted but I want you to understand that when we talk about comfort a lot of times we think about comforting somebody we think about loss and listen we've had loss And I will tell you that we're all in different degrees of hurt because there's, you know, while I'm hurt from a, from the standpoint of a friend and also the leader of the church, I I can't, I can't understand and can't really fathom the hurt from Mary, his wife. I can't really fathom Will's hurt losing his brother and having to stand here and speak for his own brother's funeral, younger brother. I, I can't, but I have my own hurt. But when we think about comfort, we're not just talking about loss. So don't think this is all about the fact that we've lost somebody and we're talking about comfort. This is about comfort in every aspect of our life. God is the God of all comfort. By the way, the word that that was actually translated comfort in this passage goes all the way back to to John chapter 14 when he said a comforter would come. The paracletos. I've preached on that more than once. And it talks about, you know, when, when he said that I'm going to, God's going to send a comforter, it means one to come alongside from the same source. And so the word that is translated comfort here is paraclesis. So this is truly about God being the God of all comfort because it is the Holy Spirit which he sends, which can do the work of the comforter. He is the comforter. And so when it says that God is the father of all comfort, he is the source of all that comforts. A lot of times we try to find comfort in other things. <laughs> wow, that's loud. I should mute that channel next time I do that. So it's, it's not by a mistake. And so every time you see comfort here, it's, it's the word paraklesis which is one who comes alongside to console. We're really talking about being consoled here. Consoled in every aspect of our life, not just in time of loss. While some may be here experiencing loss and need comfort in that aspect, some other here may be here that need comfort in other and aspects of their life. When I start thinking about some of the aspects and some of the areas that we need comfort, sometimes I need comfort in being consoled, uh, just simply uh, in, in my own just personal life and relationships that I'm struggling in. The Holy Spirit console me. The Holy Spirit can come alongside and comfort me by helping me understand and giving me wisdom through the Holy Spirit and the reading of God's Word to be able to deal with those things. Maybe I'm in a time of need. Maybe i have a need, and the Holy Spirit will come along and again, and I always say, listen, the Holy Spirit will come alongside, but we need to pick this up, folks. We can't just sit around and cry, right? And we can't just sit around and say, Woe is me. You know, I've got a need, and guys, you know, God, what are you gonna do? Listen, it's real easy just to sit there and cry out to God and give him your wish list. But the Holy Spirit works and speaks to us through his written word. Again, Chris did not know this message was coming. And sometimes we, sometimes we are that. Sometimes we just sit there, we call out to God and wait for an email, so to speak. I can't wait till somebody just breaks in on this message and hears that part. They're going to think I have seriously sprung a leak. But isn't that what we do sometimes? When we know that with praying and the reading of God's Word coupled together, that God can comfort us through the work of the Holy Spirit and His Word. First or John chapter one said the word became flesh and dwelt among us talking about Jesus. And so when I'm in a time of need, I think about the scripture as the psalmist said that I have never seen the righteous forsaking or begging for bread. Tell me that does not bring comfort when we know that in every time that God's people needed something, he was able to meet their needs. So if you need comfort today and you need to be consoled about having needs and wondering how they're going to be met, then listen, the word of God shows us this, especially in the time where the Israelites were wandering in the desert, not knowing where food was going to even come from, and God fed them straight from heaven that will comfort what about times of of sickness times of persecution or even sometimes uh, i've actually struggled and needed comfort uh, of understanding what to do in my own career my regular job that i do day to day god what do i do with that Not wanting to make a mistake, but having to make decisions and and not sure which way to go. And yet, when I go to the Lord in prayer and reading His Word, He speaks to us and He brings us comfort. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's having to deal with physical pain. I don't know if you ever know what it's like to just be in pain every day and you, you know what the outlook is for them are? Same pain, different day. You ever been there? How does God console us in those moments? You know, I think about Paul when he prayed, because I don't know about you, but sometimes when you pray for something and it doesn't come, Because I think of how I'd be a better pastor if I didn't have to struggle with these things. To even know that even having surgery, all it's doing is putting a band-aid on the issue, which is always going to be there, and it's going to get worse. And there's nothing you can do to fix that. And I think, Lord, if you could just take this away from me, I could be such a better pastor. I could do such a better job. And then I go and I read where Paul Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but something physically ailed him. And he prayed that God would remove it. And I I imagine Paul's prayer might have went a little like mine. Lord, you know, I've been on this road. I've been whipped and I've been beat and I've been shipwrecked. But I got this one thing. If you could just take this one thing from me so I don't have to deal with this this physical issue, God. I'm sure that I could do much better. And I've been happy to do this. I've been happy to be on this road, Lord. But it would just work so much better if you would take this away. And still yet, God says, listen, I want you to know that I'm not going to take it away. But my grace is sufficient for thee. Grace will carry you through and grace will be there when you need him and he will be there and he will work in your life and you will feel my presence and that which is hurting you, you think that's taking you away from the work is actually making you fit for the work and when I think about it in that context then I start to become thankful but it's hard you know why? Because you know what the forecast is for tomorrow? More pain. Oh, there are good days. There are bad days. There are some days that you forget it when you chuckle a little bit. You get to laugh. Somebody tells you a funny joke and you laugh and you forget for a little while how bad it hurts. But then you go to get up and you move the wrong way. Then you're quickly reminded that it's still there. And this week was a tough week for me. Tough week for me and my wife both. Oh, it's not something that we didn't put a prayer request out for. It It was just, we've learned to trust in God. And it's not that we don't want you praying for us. We know that you already are. And so we don't want to burden anyone else with anything else. Because we know God is sufficient. But I have to tell you, these last few weeks, I've been searching for comfort. And I want to share with you this morning from this passage. This is what J. Vernon McGee said about this passage. He says, comfort and consolation are used nine times in five verses. Comfort does not imply the sentimental, but rather sustains and helps. In other words, this comfort is not just giving those, you know, those, uh, what do we call them? Those, those things that you always say, those antidotes or whatever that, you know, everybody always says to you, it'll get better. Th- By the way, you know that doesn't help, right? Let's just face it. You telling me things are going to get better, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to be honest. Things like that, or I, I love it. We, we actually, some people use one that's not even scriptural well, you know, the Lord's not going to put any more on you than you can stand. That is absolute hogwash. The Bible never said that. The Bible said he'll not, not let any temptation come upon you, that he will not give you a way of escape. But he never said he wasn't going to put it on you than you could bear. Matter of fact, pretty much the scripture says he will. Why? Because otherwise, how will I realize that I, that I need him? When we think about the, the Philippians was it 4.13? I could do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I could do all things, right? Through Christ who strengthens me, not through my own strength. So the only way that I can use the, or have the strength of Christ is to deplete my own and need Him and call upon Him. And then the strength of Christ will enable us to do that which we cannot do on our own. This is what Dr. David Guzik had to say. He said, the words all comfort in this passage come from the ancient Greek word paraklesis. The idea behind this word for comfort in the New Testament is always more than soothing sympathy. It has the idea of strengthening, helping, and making strong. The idea behind this word is communicated by the Latin word for comfort, fortis, which means brave. So when we look at verse 3, blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and all comfort, is telling us that, listen to us, that, that all comfort that truly helps, all comfort that is actual comfort that can sustain us comes from Almighty God. Now, He may use you and I, and we're going to see this, that He does use you and I to help spread that comfort and to help be a comfort to one another. But listen, if we're going to comfort one another, let's comfort one another in the truth of God's Word and not just in antidotes that really don't don't help. Matter of fact, sometimes they just make us feel worse. Matter of fact, it makes us feel like you're really not trying to to, to really empathize with me. You know what empathize means, right? It's not, sympathy is one where, you know, oh, there, there, I'm so sorry. But to empathize with a person is to truly try to put yourself in their shoes and try to realize life from a different angle and not your own. And for us to truly, listen, when we start empathizing with people, you'll start to realize that you start to take on some of their pain because when you start to realize how bad they hurt, it'll start to hurt you, amen? That's why a lot of people don't. Don't do it. But God is calling us not only to give us comfort, but also to help provide comfort in the truth of his word. Not just with little things There, there. Here's a bowl of banana pudding. I'll see you later. By the way, I like banana pudding. But I ain't allowed to have it. Somebody here is probably thinking, I took banana pudding on You're not the problem, trust me. Did anybody bring banana pudding? Because I didn't get any, by the way. God is the originator of all that comforts. Any comfort or consolation that is to be found will be found in Him. And listen, this is why the world cannot truly comfort one another. Do you get that? The world cannot comfort one another. Why? Because they don't know the comforter. Amen? Amen? The comforter of the Holy Spirit, the parakletos. And in this, in this word here, we see that comfort is the object of comfort, but it comes from the Holy Spirit. That's why it's paraklesis. And so the world cannot comfort each other. Why? Because it doesn't know our eternal heavenly Father. It doesn't understand how He provides comfort through the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not in their life. The Holy Spirit is only in the life of those who have surrendered themselves to a holy God. Amen. The Holy God, by the way. Only with the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit and understanding of His Word can we truly deliver comfort to one another. And I ask you today, are you willing to deliver comfort? Do you desire to deliver comfort? Because if you do, then you're going to understand that to be able to do that, then you also are going to find yourself burdened down and needing comfort because that's how we truly are able to deliver comfort to others. How could I be a help to Chris? Why? Because we're going through something similar. So how can I be a help? You know what? On the days that 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 the you know, I just truly just am close to God and I'm feeling good, those are days that I can help him if he's down, but guess what? He he can do the same thing to me on the days where he's feeling pretty good and I'm down. Again, he can say, "Brother, I understand where you're at because I know that he experiences this and feels it because of his ailments." And so listen, when you and I are both going through the same thing, how can we help but not to comfort one another? Because when you comfort me when you're going through the same thing, it means so much more why because because I know you feel the weight of it, you understand it, and you know it. And when you say, God is sustaining me and keeping me, it means something to me. And it lifts my spirits and gives me comfort. God is the only source of true comfort. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17... It says, now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God, our father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So today I not only want to, for you to think about God as your source of comfort, because listen to this, God can only comfort those who actually desire it from him. By the way, have you ever felt, have you ever been around somebody who really didn't want to be comforted? They just wanted to stay in the same place that they were. Anybody ever been that? I don't know anybody here that's done that, but I have, I have witnessed people that that do that. They, it's almost like they identify, they identify with the ailment or they, that becomes their identity to the point that when you want to comfort them, they don't want comfort. Why? Because they want to be stuck in that rut because that has now become their identity and that's what they're really known for. And so they don't really seek comfort. They just want somebody to complain to. It happens. But God gives us eternal comfort. In other words, the comfort that God gives us will carry us through to the next phase of our life when we leave this life. So God is the source, the originator of all that comforts. One of the biggest comforts is knowing that this life is soon going to be over. I know that sounds awful, but that's one of the comforts I have is knowing that, you know what? My daily pain has an expiration on it. Amen? It has an expiration. One day, this life, when it's time, I will also be in the presence of God, free, free from this. And that brings me comfort. But so let's look at verse four, because Paul is really trying to get to some. He wants us to understand that God is the source of all comfort, but he wants us to understand that, that we have a role in it. And verse four it says, "Who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort which with we ourselves are comforted by God." Now that's a lot of comfort, isn't it? Comfort appears four times in that one verse, right? I, 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 you know, I just feel like Medea. Comfort, 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 comfort. That's a lot of comfort in there. But what is he saying? Now listen, this is, by the way, this is a concept that is foreign to much of the American church. Are you with me? It's foreign to much of the the American church. Why? Because we realize in just reading this one verse, we realize that our lives is bigger than us. And that this this thing that we're doing in serving God is more than just about us. Matter of fact, we find out that we're not even the star of the show. Amen? I'm not the star of the show. I'm not the leading cast member. Right? I'm not gonna be, my name's not gonna be billed first name in the credits. This one verse actually just swipes our feet out from underneath of us and reminds us that we are part of something bigger and it's not about you and it's not about me. So God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to do what? Comfort. Now think about that for a minute. Pastor, are you saying that God will allow me to be afflicted in order that I may be used to comfort someone else? Yep, that about sums it up. You got it. We can go home now. Think about that. You know, I I tell you, I was watching the other day. By the way, the 18th, uh, it comes on. I forget when it comes on. I'm not going to be home to, to see it, but uh, he's going to have it recorded. But Nick Vujicic is actually delivering a special message on the 18th. You ever seen Nick Voyacik? No arms, no legs. You ever heard him speak? Capture your heart. Because he says that God made him in his image. And that even with the loss of having no limbs at all, that he is still perfectly made in God's image. And that God uses him. And what he has to deal with. Because it's given him a voice. Because if Nick Vujicic walked and talked just like you and I and didn't have arms and legs, you probably wouldn't know his name. But when Nick Vujicic, when they sit him up on a table and he's talking into an orphanage in Africa and telling him that God loves you, I know because God loves me. That instead of being mad at God, I've come to love God and to know him personally and that he uses me and gives me great joy even in my affliction because I am able to share the love he has for me with you and I'm able to comfort you with the comfort that he's shown me to the point that Nick says that he is thankful that he was born and lives without arms and legs. Because God has given him a great ministry and a great role, but also a great responsibility. But he has found joy in God and through the comfort that he can provide. You see, Nick can reach people that I can't and that you can't. But listen, the question becomes, who who is it that you can reach? Who is it that you can comfort? Because that is part of your purpose, absolutely, without a doubt. When I start looking at that which ails me and I start looking at this condition that I have to deal with, that you know by the way, I think the advent the invention of the internet is probably the worst thing ever when you have a sickness. You know what I'm saying? Don't look it up. Don't Google it. You're talking about depressing. You know? People ask, is there a cure? No. Does it get worse? Yes. Does it become debilitating? Yes. Come on, people, work with me. Give me something. It's if God says, "Listen, you're looking, you're looking for comfort through what the world understands and knows." And it's not going to bring you comfort. matter of fact, it's just going to bring you more pain. And it's going to make you more confused. The best thing you can do, Huff, is trust me. Yes, go to the doctor. Let them use their wisdom that I've given them. But trust me for comfort. You're not going to find it on the internet. And the more you Google, the worse it's going to be. But the fact that God says here through the, through the, the writing of Paul that he comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we, with the comfort that we have received, may also go and comfort others. And so my question is, first off, are you seeking the comfort of God? And are you willing to accept it? Because to accept the comfort of God, you've got to get out of the rut of using your affliction as your identity. Amen? A lot of people, will, you know, they... They will start to identify with their affliction to the point that that's all they can think about. Or do you want God's comfort? That's a good question. And then secondly is this, if you want God's comfort, then receive it. Receive it through praying and the reading of God's word. It's not just going to hit you upside the head. You need to seek it out. Amen. He says if we seek him, he will be found. Now hopefully, and I think I know most of you here, you know Christ. But this is about more than just salvation. This is about understanding life and our purpose here. Our purpose is not just to be saved. And so then we just go on with our happy, lucky life. And then, you know, we get to go live with God forever. That's not what being saved is about. That's not what salvation is about. God saves us to use us to be able to, to multiply salvation to many. By the sharing of our testimony and by comfort which we have first received and now deliver out. So do you want to be comforted? If so, it's time to receive it. But listen, more than that, and I'm not talking, this, this really isn't about loss at this point. I'm not talking about that because listen, that hurt lasts for a long time and it's, just daily, it's a daily chore. I'm talking about, there's a lot of us that hurt for other things and we've just fallen in a rut with it. That's who I'm talking to. People like me, people like me who, who's been depressed for the last couple of weeks because I kind of put all my eggs in the surgery basket. And guess what? It didn't change the pain. So I was falling into depression. That and with all the other stuff that seems to be happening around us, I just didn't think I could, I'm just about wore out. But when i come to this scripture and i realize that listen god is the source of all comfort i put my eggs in the wrong basket should i've had the surgery the doctor said i needed absolutely but that doesn't mean that i'm still not going to face the problem it took care of that one specific issue but i was kind of putting all my that if listen if i just get this done and i feel better then everything in life will be better and god's like that's just not how it's going to work huff you comfort people better when you need it. Why? Because you better understand how they feel. And when it's time for that pain to let up, I will let you know. And sometimes that's just how it is, folks. Sometimes we just got to put on our, our big boy and big girl spiritual underoos and realize that life is going to have its its problems. Will you accept God's comfort? If so, then receive it. But secondly is this. Okay, so my pain has a purpose. The answer is yes. And God will comfort me, right? The answer is yes. So then what should be the next question? So then who can I comfort? Who is it that, that knows and understands and may be going through the same thing that I'm going through? You see, a lot of times we don't, we're not comforted because God doesn't comfort us because we don't seek it from Him. And we don't seek it because maybe sometimes we don't want to, but also maybe it doesn't come because God knows that, you know what, until you get to the spot where you're not only ready to receive it, but also give it. Maybe you have to get there. And so you're saying God will let me be in pain and God will let me hurt. Yes, He will. And it's plain in the Scriptures that we will go through these times. But it has a purpose. And so as he says here, I will comfort you so that you may comfort others who are in affliction with the comfort in which we ourselves were comforted with by God. I'm to be a conduit of not only the love of Christ, but also the work of the Holy Spirit to comfort. I need to be a conduit. I need to receive it, trust it, and also pass it on to you. Let the Holy Spirit abide in me in such a way that I, that I spend quiet time in listening to the Holy Spirit. Has anybody, has God, you ever just had somebody on your heart? You ever just had somebody who just, their name was on, like you just, why do you think that is? Maybe that's God saying, hey, what, I got, i leave this person on your heart because they need comfort. I've comforted you. And won't you call or visit or send a message or something to this other person that they might receive comfort too. Don't hog it. Don't be hogging up God's blessing. Don't be hogging up God's comfort. He gives it to us so that we can share it with others. It's not just about you. And so... The question becomes, then who is it that you're trying to help? Who is it that you're trying to comfort? Who is it that God is laying on your heart? And are you praying for him to lay people on your heart? Let's go to verse 5. It says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now think about that. We share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. What is that? The persecutions and the stuff that's going to come along our way, but it's not just that. The fact is, is that do you realize that if you're a Christian, that you're a marked individual? Do you know what that means? See, when we think persecutions, we think just on the simple fact of somebody telling us or making fun of us for our faith or, you know, we, when we think of persecutions, we think of people like that treating us ill because we stand for our faith. And that is persecution, by the way, that, that is a form of persecution. But do you also realize that when you follow Christ and you call him Lord, that listen, that you are marked by the enemy. You are marked by the enemy because the Bible says that, listen, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but instead spiritual wickedness in high places, Satan and his demons. And so it's not just about what people do to persecute us or make fun of us because of our faith. Listen, that's coming, by the way. John MacArthur is experiencing that out in California right now where they're trying to sue him. They took away his park, part of his parking lot. He's had a lease for 30-some years on this, vac- this area that cannot be developed. It cannot be used for anything else other than a parking lot. And he's had a lease. He says, we've paid them millions, at least over a million dollars over the course of the last 30-some years, leasing that land. And just like that, because he will not kowtow to what they're telling him to do. He said, listen, we didn't open up our church and tell people, hey, we're open now. Please come back. He said, we were, they were just literally broadcasting services from an empty church. And they knew what time he was doing it, and people started to show up. He said, and then the next Sunday, more people showed up. He said, now we've gotten so full that we had to open up the gymnasium and pipe a, a video feed into there and also another overflow room because people want to hear the truth and they're tired of this stuff. And so he's being sued. I believe the last figure I heard was 20,000 against the church for every service. And I think 8,000 against him. They've been to court five times, four times. The judge actually went for the church. This last time, (laughs) Satan doesn't give up. You do know that, right? This last time, the judge went the way of L.A. County. He's being sued by the county government. For delivering a message of hope and truth because he's doing it in a way that they don't agree with because of the COVID issue when the simple fact is they've been meeting like that for months and they had not one case in the church but yet people are allowed to congregate loot and destroy right under the protection of the law but we can't deliver the gospel message inside the building and being forced to shut down that's persecution but listen when you live for Christ the devil's going to mark you and so that affliction and that persecution not only comes from outside people but listen it also comes from spiritual warfare sometimes sometimes the the, the affliction that you have to deal with is all right here amen You think the devil doesn't fight in your mind? You think that he doesn't try to make you think less of yourself? Are you really a Christian? tries to question your salvation. Does God really love you? If God loves you, then why do you hurt so bad? Why do you have to deal with this? If God loves you, then why are you having to deal with this issue or that issue or anything else before? And we ended up in this spiritual warfare where we keep questioning, right? It makes us start to question ourselves. If God loves me, then why do I got to experience pain? Listen, I will tell you why. Because there's a bigger purpose for it. God never said you won't be in it. God said you will be afflictions. There will be persecutions. They hated me. They'll hate you. Matter of fact, the afflictions and persecution actually lets us know that we're in good company. Because if I were not living for Christ, then I would not be facing some of those things. Because Satan's not going to fight against his own. Amen? He only fights us when we're on the opposite team. But as abundantly as we share in the sufferings, we also share in the comfort. You know what that means? God always has enough comfort to cover the affliction. Amen? That's why he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace will be enough. You'll never have an affliction or a persecution that I am not able to comfort you through. Because as abundant as the enemy will pursue you, so that more so does God have the power and the abundance of grace and mercy to carry you through it. In 1 Peter, he said this, chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Then down verse 19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so we share abundantly in His comfort. Let's go to verse 6. I'm almost done. Verse 6 says this, If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Now, Think about what he's saying. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort, and if we are comforted, it's for your comfort. Now, wait a second. It seems like you're getting double and I'm getting single here, don't? I? Right? If I'm afflicted, it's for your comfort, and if I'm comforted, it's for your comfort. What? You're getting two, I'm getting one. Hey, well, I'm getting the bad. What does this really mean? This means that this and God, God said that when you. When you call me Lord, when you confess me as Lord, then your life is in my hands. And I have something greater for you than just your salvation, but also for the salvation of the people around you. So that means at times you may be afflicted with something because people are watching you. And people are watching and and they're looking. (laughs) Like Brother Randy said, sometimes the sheep need to see their shepherd. And sometimes you're watching me. Do I get afflicted and go through pain and and, and get to the point where I just throw my hands and give up? Because if I do, then I'll have a whole church full of people that do just that. Or do I go through these trials and these things and be honest about it, but also trust God for it? And as God carries me through, you see that God does work. And that he is able, and so that you become comforted in that because you know that when you go through it, just as God comforted me, just as God brought me out, he'll bring you out too. Do you ever think about the Israelites traveling through the desert for 40 years? Not just for them, but here we are, almost 4,000 years later. And we're still reading about the Israelites and them traveling in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years, and God feeding them and leading them. And through all those 40 years, their clothes didn't even wear out. We are still being blessed. Are you listening to me? We're still being blessed by God's work through the Israelites. I read about when they were in captivity. I read about when they were enslaved in Egypt. And how God, under his power and his power alone, rescued them from the hand of Pharaoh. And they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. So listen, if God can part the Red Sea so they can walk through, he can part whatever it is that's up against you so that you can walk through as well. Amen. Because of their affliction and because of what they had to go through, you and I are still being blessed and comforted today by that same very thing. I want to read something to you. This is what Dave Guzik said. He says, whenever we pray, now stand with me here. Whenever we pray, Lord, just use me. I just want to be used by you to touch the lives of others. We do not realize that we pray a dangerous prayer. Through this good prayer, now he's not saying the prayer is not good. He says, through this prayer, we invite God to bring suffering into our lives if that is the proper tool to make us more able to bring consolation and salvation to the lives of others. I think about some of the people that will listen to Nick Vujicic because of his affliction. Now, do you realize that guy gets up every day? He can't brush his teeth like you do. Everything that happens that you would normally do personally, he has to have someone else do it for him. I mean everything, if you know what I mean. Sometimes it's nice to be able to go in the bathroom and escape everything, you know what I'm saying? He can't walk in with a magazine by himself like I do, or iPad or phone or the latest edition of Sweetwater musical instrument catalog. Do you know how much money I' spent in the bathroom? I don't leave messages in the bathroom no more because somebody called me out on it. Didn't realize the room had an echo. I know you were in the bathroom. That's what she told me. I know you were in the bathroom. I could hear it. Nobody else said anything open. Oh, Mary, say something. Pastor, I know you are in the bathroom. You need to leave messages outside the bathroom. That's not the good place. True story. Nobody else called me out on it. <laughs> Mary called me out on it. But that guy has to have somebody do everything. I heard him talk about one time, he says, if God grants me children, I'll never be able to hold them. He can't comb his own hair. But do you know how how many thousands of people have given their heart to Christ by seeing him praise God in his affliction and say, if that's what it took to get my heart to where it's at, I'm thankful for this affliction. And I know that while I live in this life, I'll always be like this, but when I get to heaven, I'll have all of it. Amen. Who would listen to him if it weren't for the affliction? He says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Meaning that there are some times that without the affliction, I wouldn't have a voice. Without the affliction, maybe people wouldn't realize. I talked to some of the guys at work, you know, and, and I, I'm actually personally friends with several of the guys that work for me and, and have been for years, and we're close. And they call me Big Daddy, uh, by the way, that's, that's what they call me at work. Uh, and uh, I got this one this week Big Daddy. He says, man, that just really stinks. That after that surgery, this is, this is what you get, and still have another one that has to be done with. He said, I just, I just don't get it. He said, I don't get it. He said, Don't it make you mad? And man, that hit me, I'm going to tell you, hit me like a ton of bricks because I know what the real answer was. But I can't sit here and tell you that I haven't been mad. I can't tell you that I haven't thrown a huff pity party for a while. And that hit me like cold ice water. Because this is a, I'm talking this guy, I love this guy. And he and I are very close. And when he asked me that, I knew what the right answer was, but I know what the honest answer was. And I had to answer him like this. I said, buddy, there's a part of me that gets mad. But then when I get done being mad, and I think about the real deal, I know that there's a reason for the pain. Because, you see, this same guy had the same surgery I had. And when he was going through it before he had his surgery to fix it, he struggled every day. Teaching a four-hour class was just a painful just a painful thing. And he's like, I, mean, I don't know how you've dealt with this for years. This is driving me up a wall. And you see, I was able, through my affliction, to talk to him about his and help him see that God is the only way that I've been able to walk. And he is who helps me. You see what I mean? But if I didn't have that affliction, I would have never been able to help him in his. And so when I start to think about how I've thrown a pity party, it kind of makes me ashamed of myself. Because I know there's a purpose. And verse 7 says this, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul's saying, listen, my hope for you hasn't wavered one bit. Because as you share in the sufferings of Christ, I know that you also will be comforted in Christ if you will allow him to. When you go on down to verses 8 through 11, Paul kind of puts this all together and shows the concept. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we, hadn't, we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Do you see, he says, you must help us in prayer. You see, when we also pray for others and for them to be delivered of their affliction and for them to be given the strength to go through, then that helps us. That helps us as Christians to identify with, with that person and identify with what they're going through. I may not be going through that particular thing, but when I start to pray for someone, I'm talking about earnest prayer. I'm not talking about God help Sal. She's going through a rough time. Amen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about seriously getting down in prayer and saying, God, listen, I love Sal. And she means the world to me. And you know, there's nothing I won't do for her. And so God, my heart is broken for her. My heart is broken that she's having to to, to experience pain and go through these issues. And so, God, I pray that you just put your hand upon her. And, Lord, while I desire absolute healing, I mean miraculous healing, God, I know that you have a purpose for the pain, and I know that ultimately we will be healed, whether in this life or the next. And listen, when I really get down and start talking to God, then how can I help but love that person? Paul is saying, pray for us, and then when God delivers us, you will also rejoice with us in, in our deliverance. Why? Because you had a hand in it because you participated in the going before the throne for us. And so that in that case, listen, you empathize with us. You, 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 you put our welfare you know, as an important thing in your life to the point that you would go before the throne of God and take us there and pray that God would touch us. And then when he does, then you will also rejoice and be comforted in us when God moves for us. Sometimes I think we don't rejoice with other people because we truly haven't prayed for other people in a way that is true and serious instead of just checking off a list. Lord, help Chris. You know how he is. Check. Right? Lord, you know he ain't got a filter. Please give him one. Check. But when we really get down to prayer and really care about someone, not only will that prayer be effective, but our heart will be moved for them. And so I question you this, in what areas do you need to be comforted this morning? And not only that, who? Who needs the comfort that you're experiencing? Who can you go comfort? Do you need comfort? And who can you comfort? Because God's not going to comfort you just for you to sit on it. God's going to comfort you in your affliction so that you may share it with others. Somebody else needs to hear your story. Somebody else needs to know how God has moved in your life. Somebody else needs to know how you were just beyond despair. Like Paul said, I was beyond despair, yet God delivered us. Somebody needs to know that you need to share the comfort you've been given by God with someone else who needs that comfort. They need to know that God cares. There was an old hymn and I meant to, I meant to get a video this morning and it just escaped my mind like so many other things. And I, I'll be honest with you, my, my struggles in, in the last few weeks have really crippled me from being a good pastor, I think, personally, just because it's just been tough. And it's been tough probably because I've been just a... Maybe a little too worried about Huff lately. Maybe a little too fixated on all the things that are weighing me down. And so I haven't comforted you the way I really should. So, as Brian gets something softly to play, would you stand to your feet?